Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman. My guest today is Kent Griswold. Kent has been publishing the Tiny House blog since 2007 and the Tiny House magazine since 2013. He considers himself a tiny house evangelist spreading the word through the internet. Kent, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ethan. I'm looking forward to our chat. Me too. Um, you've been observing the tiny house movement for quite some time now. I'm curious what it was that drew you to tiny houses in the first place. Actually, I kind of stumbled upon it. Um, I've always enjoyed basic cabins. I, when I was growing up, we'd stay in these four service cabins or just very simple cabins. And I wanted to eventually build something like that for myself. And while I was out doing that, I stumbled across Jay Schaefer and Tumbleweed. And he had a small website out there and it just got me curious about it. And at that time, I think I found a total of three websites discussing tiny houses. So it was very much in its infancy. But I'd also learned about blogging in that same time. And I'd been bookmarking all these sites from these cabins, the different types of construction and that type of thing. And I thought, you know, why don't I just try a blog for the fun of it on tiny houses? So I said, well, it's tiny houses and it's a blog. Let's just see if tinyhouseblog.com was available. And I purchased that um, URL and, or domain and just started just a couple times a week initially just putting out a couple of different basically builders of from anything from log cabins to um, yurts and everything in between. But it was mainly about construction initially. Right. And it was one of the few resources available when I started building in 2012. I remember finding Tiny House Blog and being like, wow, I'm so glad some people have been at this for a while. And there are some, you know, a whole body of of work and a body of tiny houses to kind of draw from. Yes, it, it really was the first um, blog out there. Michael Jansen with Tiny House Design started about a year later. And then Alex Pino with Tiny House Talk started, I think it was three years later or something like that. And those were the initial resources there in the first few years because Tumbleweed was selling their product, their plans and book, and they weren't really talking about tiny houses. And like I said, the first year or two, I mainly just promoted different types of buildings, but then people started sharing their stories and I kind of switched the, the blog to include that. And it eventually became the, the heart of the blog was mainly sharing people's stories of people living in one because I personally did not live in one at the time, but just had a real passion for it and wanted to get it out there. And the internet seemed to be the way to do it. No doubt. And and those stories are really what inspire people. I think, you know, you, you first get drawn in by the adorable little house and then maybe you get interested in the fact that it's so inexpensive and your cost of living is low, but it's really reading about the people who live in them and how they've changed their lives and, you know, where living tiny has taken them that, that you really feel inspired. So I thank you for, for doing that documentary work. 
Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, it, it was interesting how at least a, a certain group of people who were drawn uh, or you think in the past people that were looking at mansions and something as a dream home where the tiny house when Jay Schaefer introduced those designs that just piqued people's imaginations that kind of became the dream home versus something big and expensive that no let's simplify our lives let's make it so we can do other things and live simply and yet have something that they're proud of to own and it really became something exciting. I mean, um, Stephen Harrell came along and started Tiny House Swoon, which is just basically a showcase of all the different tiny houses out there and became extremely successful with that site because that's what people wanted. And and that's another reason the recent, in the last two or three years, the TV shows have taken off because they basically took it from a still image on a website to making it a TV program. Right. The internet loves tiny houses. Yes. And there's a lot of dreamers out there and a lot of just looky look. And then there's that small percentage like yourself who jump in and do it and make it their lifestyle. Absolutely. So do you live tiny yourself? No, we don't. Um, Family situation and stuff. We're not able to, but, um, still, I'm a huge proponent, and it's still my dream to ha- eventually, when we retire, we want to really downsize to something that small. But oh, we have a son who has a learning disability, and he's needing to stay home, even though he's an adult. But with the disability, he's there, and um, just not working at this time. So we're in a standard size home at present. So you've seen hundreds, probably thousands of tiny houses. So you've had lots of examples and, and lots of time to think about what you would have in your ideal tiny home. So if you were going to build one or when you do build one, what features will it have? And, and have you thought about what, what style, what look you're going for? Well, um, my first post was um, on Montana mobile cabins, which were very small log cabins. I've always been a huge lover of log cabins. I would like a piece of property somewhat remote, possibly off-grid, but yet as I'm getting older, I need to be close to things, medical, etc. so it wouldn't be too far out. But log cabin is still my first choice. Second, I love yurts. There's something about living in the round and also their mobility, even though they're not on a trailer, like the tiny houses on wheels are so popular, you still have that same ability with a lot of the modern yurts out there. And those are really my f- first two choices. Nice. I like that. Those are those are not what many people would choose as their first choices, but I totally see the appeal of a log cabin and yurts are super cool. Yeah. No, the most popular is the tiny house on wheels. And I know in the last few years, there's definite sticklers out there who don't consider a tiny home unless it's eight foot by something on wheels. They don't consider anything else a tiny house. And that that's totally opposite of what I've promoted on the tiny house blog for the last 11 years, because I believe anything 
small, any type of structure from straw bale, um, any unusual building structure from shacks to houses on the water. There's just so many options. That's really what made the blog have the long life that it's had is being able to cover all these different aspects and being open to that. Absolutely. And just, I think Jay Schaefer said it really well at the, the tiny house jamboree and in 2017, somebody asked, what's your definition of a tiny house? And I'm paraphrasing here, but I, he basically said a structure in which all of the space is being used by its inhabitants. That That's the perfect um, definition in my book. Yeah. Right. Cause what's tiny for, for me might not be tiny for you or, you know, right. someone else. And downsizing. That's another thing I, over the years since I didn't live tiny, I, I kind of developed my own philosophy because I kind of initially would freak out when people would say, well, do you live in tiny? How can you be doing this? Oh, you're just doing it for the money or whatever, because the blog and the magazine did eventually become my way of living, earning my living. But um, my philosophy is anybody can do it, and you can do it in any square footage. It's, it's a lifestyle of living within your means, doing a job you love, and and just being control in control of your life, being able to make those choices. And by simplifying your life, by getting rid of all the excess, you are able to do that. Getting rid of your debt makes it possible um, paying off your home or getting a smaller home where you can pay it off, gives you the flexibility to travel more or find a job that maybe you only work part-time and you're able to still cover your expenses. That's the joy of downsizing. And so I don't let it bother me anymore just because I, okay, I don't live in 120 square feet. Um, I live in 1,600 square feet. I still live the tiny house lifestyle just in a little different way. I'm able to take my job with me. In fact, right now I'm at my daughter's house with our grandson for a few days, and I just brought my laptop with me and I'm able to work here just as well as I am at home. Yeah, that's that's such a nice example of how embracing the philosophy of tiny house living can bring you a number of the benefits even if you don't yet live in a tiny house. And and something you said really made me realize I had never thought about how there's a real common thread running through so many tiny house stories which is that so many of us are unhappy in our jobs and we realize that we're only doing the jobs because we need the money to pay for our housing and our lifestyle. And so the ability to change your lifestyle, be it with a tiny house or just through making changes, enables people to change what they do for money and and a lot of times just change the course of their whole lives. It, it really is a huge factor and, and we're seeing especially with the younger generation, a whole group of these people doing it. The the van life movement has really taken off in the last few years. And that's really another segment of tiny houses and, and the nomadic work style. 
and they just travel from place to place. They may occasionally go back to the headquarters or whatever if they work for another company, or they work for themselves creating their own jobs. And they're able to live this lifestyle with low overhead, mainly the cost of their van or or a tiny house. There are several people out there living in tiny houses on wheels. They're just not the most affordable way to move around if that's your true goal. And so full-time RVing or van life or schoolies are options for that nomadic lifestyle. And not everybody wants that. I mean, I grew up where my parents had their own property and, and it sort of was instilled to me that that was home. But I'm also open to the other ideas of being able to move about. I With over the last 10 years since I've been doing this full time, I've been able to take longer vacations. So we've been gone three or four weeks at a time and I just take my work with me. I try to keep work to a minimum, but you keep things rolling along and people don't know whether you're at home or if you're overseas or, or out in the woods somewhere. It's just really a neat lifestyle. And, and it's really a part of that, that downsizing, that living within your means that tiny houses brings to your life. Right. So living in a tiny house or embracing the tiny house lifestyle basically turns everyone into a millennial. Yes. Right. Right. Because that, that's basically the definition of a millennial, (laughs) isn't it? Um, (laughs) Or at least a majority or a a large group of them. Right. Right. There's those who still live at home and stuff too. I I know a few of those. So anyway, <laughs> tell me about the Tiny House Magazine. Is it is it the same thing as the blog? Is it just blog posts kind of published in magazine form, or is this is there a different audience? In it? I, I come with a graphics background. I graduated with a degree in graphics and enjoyed the publishing industry to a certain degree, but I was never mechanical, didn't enjoy the running the printing presses and stuff. When Steve Jobs introduced the Mac back in the early 80s, I jumped for that. I wanted to learn desktop publishing because it was the ability to publish, but without the mess, it was done digitally. And back then, of course, it was all still done on printers and stuff. But so I stumbled across this person in Australia who came up with this way of doing a digital magazine initially just through the Apple store, but it was an interactive magazine. You can run videos, you can do um, podcasts, you can, you can, it's basically more interactive. And the whole idea just said, man, we need this in the tiny house world. And so I jumped into it and made the investment to get into it. And I had a following on the blog, and when I brought it out there, I was very fortunate. It it became successful almost overnight because I had people interested in it. But it's really it initially kept it just on the Apple in the Apple iTunes store. But then I had a lot of demand of people wanting to be able to read it on their computer. A lot of my readers on the Tiny House blog are the older set. I think we relate to people of our own age and stuff. And, and I just turned 60. So, um, I, 
I think relate to a lot of these people. And and I discovered early on a lot of the people interested in the tiny house movement were women over fifty. It it gave them a an alternative if something happened to their spouse or they became single, they could have this as an alternative, maybe have it parked at their children's home or something like that. And so anyway, a lot of them still were on old PCs and stuff. And in the last few years, everybody's pretty much gone mobile. But so there, there, I created a PDF version of the magazine as well. So you can download it on anything and read it that way. Initially, the first few issues I did do were the most popular blog posts at the time and stuff. But in the last, we've been running five years, the last three years, it's gone to almost, it's 80% just articles written specifically for the magazine. And the difference between the magazine and the blog is blog, when you're on the internet, you want to read something quickly so it's shortened to the point, and that was basically my my, my writing style: two or three paragraphs, pictures, and that's what people want to read. A magazine, on the other hand, people still like to either pull up a paper magazine, or if you've got a iPad or or a tablet of some sort now, you're going to sit down and actually read some longer articles, and so that is reading that is reaching that group uh, of people who who want to really learn about it. So most of the articles in the magazine are longer, in-depth articles, either of people's stories or of things to help them along in the tiny house movement. There are the, there are the picture sections, too. Everybody likes to look at pictures. And so there are certain pictures. There's also videos we highlight certain videos and stuff and, and are trying in the last, especially in the last year, I'm trying to make that even more of it. Just in the last couple months, a company introduced a paper magazine for the first time. And I've had people approach me to do that, but the expense to produce one and the cost that people would have to pay, people aren't willing to pay $20 for an issue where they can pay three to five dollars an issue depending whether they subscribed or buy them individually when it's produced electronically and plus being a digital magazine if you're a true tiny house person you're looking for ways to save space well you don't want a pile of magazine taking up your tiny house space when you can have it on your phone or on your tablet and the cool thing also, with the Apple version here recently, is we do have a text-only version, so you can you can look at it with all the formatting like a typical magazine, or you can press a button and read it just the text with a few pictures and stuff, but without the formatting. So we're trying to. That's one thing. Been struggling with the magazine lately. We have seen a downturn in the subscriptions. People just don't have the time. They're so. They're so bombarded with data out there that um, so trying to rethink it, make sure we keep it up to date and in a format that people will continue to want a magazine format. Yeah, they they are quite full of of great information. I mean, they're they're more technical than the blog, and I think that they could really benefit somebody who is 
not just interested in tiny houses, but is really has decided to take the next step and is really looking into it, is really starting to plan, look at designs, look at, you know, on wheels or on the ground or climate, all those kinds of things. Yeah. So there's a huge resource there. We're up to, we're going to be publishing issue 66 here in June and all the back issues are available and a huge amount of content out there. And so I'm, I'm have up to this point, just made the back issues available for repurposing, but I, I have thought of putting them together as a book, either a digital book or even a printed book, you know, maybe just getting out the best issues and stuff and making it another resource that way, because the amount of content, just like the blog, I mean, 11 years of, publishing the blog, there's all that content out there. But unless you're doing certain keyword searches out on Google or something, you're not going to find those articles because there's several thousand articles out there. And and the blogging style is not always the best for finding the, those back things that you're looking for. And Right. Well, that's a great idea. So as somebody who's been following the movement for as long as it's really been around in its kind of current form, I'm curious, what are some things that you are excited about that are happening in the movement and what do you see as the future? I see tiny houses becoming legal here in America. I mean, it's in the last year or so, we've made some huge steps forward. There's still fight. Um, still a lot of issues to cover and it's, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to probably still be another five or 10 years till it truly becomes a reality. But I, I think people are going to accept it as a, if nothing else, as another starter home way. And also as a way to take care of some of the the affordable housing issues in cities and stuff like that. I mean, they, they're not going to, in the city's instance, they're not going to be tiny houses on wheels, but you're going to see a different form of that using space in cities with tiny houses at an affordable cost that people can step into. One thing I've seen over the years is people who have moved into tiny homes and then changes come to their lives and they move on to another step. And it's not a bad thing that that happens. I think it's important. But usually these people who have taken that step to live in a tiny house have made the tiny house lifestyle their lifestyle. And they're going to continue that even in a larger home because you have children, you're taking care of older parents, whatever the circumstances, you you move on from your tiny house. But I, I think it's going to become a real house, not just a people think it's a fad or something that's going to go away. Well, in 11 years, it hasn't gone away and it's exploding now. It's just not totally legal, at least the houses on wheels. We're seeing um, addendum dwelling units becoming more and more accepted in different towns and cities. And that's using existing houses, adding either a small home in the backyard, converting a garage. This is becoming acceptable in many towns and cities across the country. And and it's all steps 
to accepting tiny house as a way of living and not just a, a fad that's going to go away. And so I see the future that it's going to continue to explode, but it's going to become legal and accepted and not, not something you have to kind of hide or be out in the woods and hope your neighbor doesn't report you or doing it illegally. And um, that's the exciting part for me. And that's where I see it going at this point. I would agree. I think that there's a lot, a lot yet to come, but a lot of great progress has been made and, and it, it solves so many problems, both for rural and urban and even suburban living. You know, tiny houses can really solve some problems across the board. Yes. And, and, and as we know, there have always been tiny houses, but it's usually been people in the poverty level who have no choice and stuff like that. And mobile homes have often been looked at that way and they've been looked at in not a positive way, looked down on. And some people see the tiny house fitting into that same mold. And we're trying to educate people that no, it is not that. I mean, yes, you're always going to have people on both ends of that. I mean, there's the extremely luxurious tiny house. There's the very, very basic tiny house out there, whether it's on wheels or otherwise, um, we're always going to have that. But um, to make it an acceptable standard dwelling, I think, is the goal. And and get people to realize that, hey, this may not be a lifetime home. It may be a transition home. It may be one you transition out of, but would hang on to. And then in your older years, go back to it, um, use it as a vacation home in the meantime, there's just so many uses for them. They're not just for one set purpose. So I think it's a matter of educating people to realize that and that if you lived in a tiny house and then you transitioned to something else, you haven't forsaken the tiny house movement. It's just a, a step in your life. And that's important, I think, that people understand that end of it. One thing that I like to ask all of my guests are – um, what are three resources, so books, magazines, movies, things that have inspired you along your tiny house journey? Um, Jay Schaefer and his – I happened to live in the same county as he did when I first started the blog, but his initial book and plans were the biggest influence to me in seeing what the tiny house movement could be. Uh, another big influencer who ended up coming into the tiny house movement because I shared it with him was Andrew Morrison with Straw, Straw Bale. And he was a big influencer I, to me because of what he was doing with the Straw Bale. And I saw that as a way to another form of tiny houses. And so his his influence and now how he's taken that to the zoning world and created his lived in a tiny house. They're now they've made a transition to living on a sailboat now. A boat now, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, he had a lot of influence. Oh, Lloyd Kahn, um, probably another 
one of my biggest influencers and a good friend. Um, I've been lucky to become friends with Jay and Lloyd and Andrew through the tiny house movement. But Lloyd also had a lot of influence, just the natural building style that he covered with his books over the years, starting way back in the seventies, but also that he's carried over into the tiny house world. He's had a couple tiny house books out there now. Um, big influencer. So off the top of my head, those those three or four people stand out. Well, Ken Griswold, thank you so much. It's been great talking with you. Thank you, Ethan. I've enjoyed it. And hopefully this helps a few people find their own dream in the tiny house world. You've been listening to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast with Ethan Waldman. Like what you've heard? Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, leave a rating and review. Thank you so much to Kent Griswold for your time today. You can find the show notes for this episode, including links to Kent's recommended resources at thetinyhouse.net slash Kent. And finally, if you're looking for the ultimate guide to planning your tiny house, check out my comprehensive resource, Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is the guide I wish I had when I built my tiny house, and it comes in three different packages to help you get a jump start on planning. Save hundreds of hours of research and thousands of dollars with Tiny House Decisions. Learn more at thetinyhouse.net slash THD. We're offering a special discount for podcast listeners. Use the coupon code TINY to take 20% off any package. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD, coupon code TINY for 20% off. That's all, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.